3: From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Leslie McClurg, I'm in for Mina Kim. Coming up on Forum, for a while there, it felt like the tech sector was no longer the sure career path it used to be, as layoffs dominated headlines day after day. And then job cuts echoed in other sectors. That trend seemed to signal the end of the Great Resignation, which topped headlines in recent years as large numbers of workers ditched their jobs. But some economists say the pendulum actually hasn't swung as far as it seems. Employees may still hold the power. We'll learn more, that's next, after this news. This is Forum. I'm Leslie McClurg. I'm in today for Mina Kim. In recent years, the great resignation dominated headlines as people really quit their jobs in droves. The mood feels a lot more somber this year. Crunchbase, a public database, estimates nearly 150,000 workers at American tech companies were laid off in mass since January, with more than 12,000 of those in the Bay Area. Hiring freezes and layoffs also dominated media companies, including NPR. It has felt tight around here. But these layoffs may not actually be signs that the economy is contracting. In in fact employees are better off than you might think. And we're going to discuss all of this with Aki Ito. She's a senior correspondent covering the workplace and the economy for Insider. And Sarah Bone, she's vice president of research and a senior fellow at the Public Policy Institute of California. Welcome to you both. We kind of touched on it a little bit there, Aki, but just kind of flesh out what's happening at these tech companies. Why are they laying off thousands of workers?
2: Sure. So, um, I think there are probably three big factors that go into explaining why we're seeing the layoffs that we are seeing right now. Um, I think the big thing is that there's been a very big pullback in advertising over the last year. The Federal Reserve is raising interest rates very aggressively, and that's making the business outlook uncertain for a lot of companies. And in potential recessions, advertising, you know, marketing, that's the first thing to go. Um, maybe even a bigger factor, though, is that uh, tech companies just hired like crazy early in the pandemic. Um, and that's because early on in the pandemic, tech executives were looking at revenue going up uh, quite a bit, and they thought that would last forever. They thought that this shift to digitization that we saw during you know quarantine, during the shutdowns, would go on forever, Um What turned out to be the case, though, is when people started to come back to in-person activities, we just didn't need the Internet as much as we did back in 2020. And so now companies are left with huge workforces that they don't necessarily
3: need, and they've had to cut back on people. You said there, potential recession. What what is the likelihood? I mean, I think we've been sort of on that edge or fearing that edge for, it feels like about a year now. What's (laughs) the likelihood of that we're going to go into a recession?
2: Right. Um, You know, economists have been telling us that a recession has been around the corner for, like you said, about a year now. It hasn't happened yet. The thing is, when you look at unemployment across the country right now, it's 3.7%, which is some of the lowest levels we've seen in the last half century. I mean, this is a historically amazing job market. It, It might not feel that way for somebody who's living in the Bay Area, for somebody who's in the tech industry, just because of the huge layoffs that are happening in specifically the tech sector. But pretty much everywhere else in the
3: country, we are seeing um, a very, very hot job market still. Sarah, how are these these layoffs that are happening in tech, how are they rippling out to other sectors in California?
4: That's a great question, Leslie. What we see when we look, you know, statewide is these layoffs kind of look like a blip, I have to say, across the state's diverse and large economy. So, you know, we saw, you know, an uptick in layoffs in kind of macro data in March, but it's kind of returned. um, uh, It it dipped back down in April and May. And so overall, we're seeing jobs continue to grow in the state, continue to catch up, honestly, uh, in a lot of sectors to where we were pre-pandemic and Statewide, we're kind of just crossing that threshold of having regained all the jobs that we lost. Um, And some sectors are just really strong um, they've been sources of strength in the recovery from the pandemic sectors like transportation and warehousing and health. Um, the, the former transportation really driven by some of what we went through during the pandemic and and the shifts that that consumers made from services to, to buying goods and having them delivered at home. Um, that's th- Those jobs are up 19% compared to February 2020. Um, so there are some real bright spots in our really diverse um, and huge economy that's making up for some of the the challenges that we're seeing in tech.
3: And Aki, then, I think you wrote back a few months ago that it took tech workers about three months to find a new job. So these thousands of folks who got laid off actually were able to find employment pretty easily. Is that still the case? Are, are tech jobs still available and, and plentiful?
2: Right. So, you know, when I wrote that story about half a year ago, um, that was certainly the case. I think now, um, since then, we've seen a pickup in layoffs. And so I think there is more of a sense that the technology job market is um, you know, more saturated than it was maybe six or seven months ago. That said, it's really important to keep in mind that, once again, unemployment across the country is 3.7 percent. Somebody who's a software engineer or a data scientist, you know, those are jobs that are needed not just in Silicon Valley, but pretty much um, at every large company across the board, regardless of industry. So for all these other industries that can't pay the kind of salaries um, that Google or Facebook does, this is actually a really great opportunity for them to tap the kind of technical
3: talent that they couldn't before. And Sarah, remind us, we mentioned there at the top, you know, what is the great resignation or what what, we mentioned the great resignation. Tell us what that is. and, And given what we're hearing, is that still true in other sectors? Is there still a great resignation happening just not in tech?
4: You know, I we're not really seeing that. I mean, it might be that um, workers are are quitting their jobs and quickly finding others because what we see is Californians are back to work. They are. Um, I think there was, you know, some um, pandemic-driven uh, changes in you know people's ability to move jobs, and then when when we were able to, people quit their jobs. There were a lot of job openings. People were switching around a lot. You know, I think I actually preferred the great reshuffling kind of type, uh, moniker because there that's what was happening. Um, people were kind of reassessing and making moves um, after a, a labor market completely shocked by the pandemic. And w- what I'm seeing now is um, what seems to be kind of a, you know, retur- return to a, maybe a new normal um, where, you know, pe- uh, the employment rate in California is really Really high among those kind of prime working age um, Californians. Um, and um, there's still a lot of job openings, um, a l- relatively low unemployment rate. It's a bit higher here in California than what Aki mentioned for the US. It's 4.5% in California. Um, but you know, there's a lot of job openings actually per unemployed person. So there's a lot of opportunity to continue to reshuffle, but um, it seems like that is tapering off.
3: Why is it a touch higher here? Why is unemployment a touch higher in California? It's typically
4: a little bit higher in California. Um, One of the reasons is that we... Um, we have a, a slightly younger uh, um workforce, um which is a good thing as we're thinking about large demographic shifts that that we're all facing across the country with an aging workforce and aging population. Um, so there's there's a little bit more um kind of movement um in our labor market with, you know new new workers entering or maybe moving around jobs. And so that kind of leads to a slightly persistently higher unemployment rate in our state.
3: Aki, this all sounds pretty good, but it doesn't feel that good in my industry. So what is happening and why is media getting hit so hard? Because there's been layoffs at most major media companies.
2: Yeah, I mean, um, my company Insider just went through a round of layoffs as well. I think the interesting thing about media right now that makes it really different from tech is that media has been in a very difficult position for over a decade now. Um, you know, companies are still trying to figure out this transition to the Internet and, and how to make money in that. And and journalism remains a very expensive endeavor, Um I think, uh, you know, no company has really figured this out yet, uh, which is why when you see the kind of advertising pullback that we're seeing right now, um, media companies get hit even harder probably than the tech companies do. And we just don't have the kind of profit margins that the tech companies do to bounce back in the way that I'm sure the tech industry will in a year or two from now.
3: Do you think then that if we are able to avoid a recession and we can keep it sort of at arm's length, that media can recover? Is this a blip that, you know, folks are scared and they've pulled back on advertising and marketing, but once the, they see that the economy is stable, that the companies might hire back or are these losses that we'll see long term?
2: You know, we might see um, a stop in kind of the hemorrhaging of jobs uh, if You know, the economy bounces back, but I'm not sure we're going to see the kind of heady days that we saw back in the 80s or the 90s, for example. I think to see that we need to see a pretty fundamental shift in media, um, you know, where companies actually try to actually succeed in figuring out how to make money in the Internet age. And I just don't think we're seeing that right now.
3: Sarah, what are you seeing across the board in terms of the demographics? Are there certain groups that are getting, you know, hit harder or is it kind of rosy news, you know, all across the board in terms of, you know, male, female and our socioeconomics or other groups that are getting hitting, hit harder right now?
4: There are some interesting patterns that we were really concerned at the outset of the pandemic about, you know, what would this do to inequality across the, the, the um income distribution across groups in California. Um, And there was a lot of discussion you may remember about, are we going to have an equitable recovery? Um, Because the pattern is that recessions hit lower income families hardest, and they take the longest to recover. And that means that then that translates um, down to, um, you know, race ethnic differences where um, families of color tend to recover slower as well. Um, We actually saw signs during the recovery, and we're still seeing signs today that that did not happen. In fact, it was reversed in a lot of cases. So um, you remember during the Great Recession, it was called a man's session. And then we were starting to call this pandemic recession a, a she session because it was true. Um, women's employment rate fell by a lot more than men's employment rate during the, the worst of the pandemic. It fell about 19 percent, um, which was substantial. Um, however, what we're seeing now is that actually, at least across gender, um, women's employment rate is up above what it was pre-pandemic. Um, While men are still kind of dragging behind a little bit in the latest data that I've looked at, which is kind of from the beginning of this year.
3: I wish I had a snappy headline that we could put on that then. I like the she session and the rich session and the great resignation. And yeah, what's happening now? Women are doing okay, it sounds like. We're checking in on the state of California's hiring landscape and labor market across different industries and hearing your experiences. We'd love to hear those experiences. What's been your experience applying for jobs lately? Have you recently been laid off? We'd love to hear your story. Or maybe you're coming out of college and you're a little bit nervous about entering the workforce. Tell us what's going on for you. Email your comments and questions to form. At KQED.org, or you can find us on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or at KQED Forum. Or give us a call now at 866 733 6786. That's 866 733 6786. We're joined by Aki Ito. She's a senior correspondent covering the workplace and the economy. And Sarah Bone, vice president of research and a senior fellow at the Public Policy Institute of California. If you have questions for either of those, give us a call. Again, that's 866 733 6786. 866 73 We'll be right back after this break.
0: Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera,
3: You're listening to Forum. I'm Leslie McClurg. I'm in today for Mina Kim. And we're taking a pulse on the job market and kind of checking in on how different industries are doing. We also want to hear your experiences about what's happening in your working world. We're joined today by Aki Ito. She's a senior correspondent covering the workplace and the economy for Insider. And Sarah Bone, she's vice president of research and a senior fellow at the Public Policy Institute of California. And again, we'd love to hear from you. What's been your experience applying for a job lately or maybe you've been laid off? Tell us what's going on. Email your comments and questions to forum at kqed.org or find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We're at KQED Forum or give us a call at 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. Let's go to uh, Robert in San Francisco.
6: Hi, good morning. Uh, San Francisco, uh, I'm a real estate development consultant in San Francisco. And I think there's a, a unprecedented amount of opportunity for uh, architects and engineers and developers to repurpose buildings, uh, conversions. The city just issued a request for information from developers so that they can assist them in accelerating these projects on conversions, especially with Class C, older uh, office buildings, many of them that are are historic, uh, that have smaller floor plates that can be converted from um, office to residential. Life science is also a huge sector. We have Gilead here. Uh, we have Genentech. You know, it's a major job driver here in the Bay Area and certainly downtown. They're looking at uh, life science repurposing or an increase in use uh, AI. There was a conference yesterday uh, in San Francisco. I believe it was sponsored by Bloomberg. It was at Van Ness and Market. They have a space called SVN West where they sponsored a half-day conference on artificial. Intelligence, Uh, so uh, that's also a real bright spot in the economy. Uh, Finance has always been a bright spot and will will continue to be. uh, And universities, or the mayor, made a trip uh, to Israel uh, in May and met the mayor of Haifa and renewed the sister city status relationship. And uh, heard about University of Haifa, which is on the outskirts taking a high-rise building downtown, and the same thing can be done with universities to locate downtown. Robert, I I love that 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 you're such a
3: voice of optimism for San Francisco. Thank you so much for, yeah, kind of sharing the many, many sectors there. And it is true. I remember earlier this year, I was writing about life sciences, and they were just booming and busting. Do you think Sarah that downtown as as Robert pointed out there uh, that downtown is really an opportunity you know we've heard a lot about how the sort of shuttered businesses and the mood downtown with workers not coming in and you know restaurants not necessarily able to cater to the to the workers like they used to that it's you know a very sad story but is there a real opportunity there
4: Well even though I'm a dismal scientist and economist I I'm, I'm also an optimist so I think so I mean the the Bay Area and California's economy, as I mentioned earlier, is really diverse. And um, so that leads to, you know, many of the bright spots that Robert mentioned, even in, you know, this era of dramatic change for downtown business districts. It's not just San Francisco's, but, you know, downtown LA, downtown Sacramento, um, you see a real market change and, of course, patterns of office workers and then uh, how that translates to the businesses that serve them and we're still seeing in San Francisco, I would say, more of a drag from that on um, kind of jobs overall and, you know, the leisure and hospitality sector, for instance, um, as compared to some of those other cities that I mentioned. So I think it's a it's a real challenge and it's a it's a real transition Maybe another kind of reshuffling. If we want to come up with a term that we're um, we're living through, and it's unclear to me how long that will take. But I think leveraging some of these bright spots is is certainly the the optimistic and and economically uh, you know wise uh, way forward.
3: Well Let's go to Caitlin in Santa Cruz. Caitlin, you're on the air. Hi. Yeah, I just wanted to comment
4: that I had been working in fundraising for about two years. And I ultimately just found the work so stressful that I quit in January of this year. And I was really surprised when like three weeks into job hunting, I was hired up by a human resources company in the hospitality industry. So it just felt very different than job markets I've experienced in the past.
3: Thank you so much for sharing, Caitlin. I'm glad you found a new job. Congratulations. Uh, Pam writes, it's almost impossible right now to hire people to take care of disabled individuals or the elderly. There's a huge need for people in those jobs. And unfortunately, since the government pays for a lot of that care, the wages are way too low. It's really a crisis. Uh, Aki, have you written about this at all, about health care? I mean, I, I'm a health reporter and it seems like all I report on is job shortages. So is are there any solutions, any ideas to sort of fill this gap?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think. Uh, Like you said, what makes it really difficult is that a lot of these jobs are funded by the government. And so, you know, unlike in the private industry, uh, if there's a shortage of workers and you can just raise salaries and try to attract people that way, Um, especially in in these nonprofit jobs um, and also these uh, public sector jobs, you can't quite do that. There just isn't the kind of profit that there is in the private sector. Um, And as a result, these shortages continue and continue. Um, I'm not sure if I've seen any any solutions that feel like a real long-term fix. This has been an issue in the economy well before the pandemic. And I I absolutely agree that it's a critical issue. We have to fix this because otherwise, you know, people who need care, which is quite a big share of our population right now and will be even bigger in the years ahead, are going to leave, um, they're going to be unserved and that's a huge problem.
3: We could do a whole show, or at least I feel like we could do a whole show on on the problems with the shortages in healthcare. But instead, let's go to Troy in Morgan Hill. Troy, you're on the air.
7: Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Um, I wanted to call in with two quick comments, if I could. My perspective is this. I'm a senior director of global talent acquisition for a publicly traded bid market, so I manage lots of recruiters. And I would think that Um, employment in the talent acquisition industry is a very good leading indicator of where organizations are going with hiring. And I'll tell you this very soberly, um, most of my recruiting associates and friends are not working. If you're a contract recruiter right now looking to pick up work, you are not going to find it in the Bay Area. Hmm. And The second comment that I wanted to make is I heard earlier in the program they were talking about the number of positions posted and how it looks like a very robust um, employment landscape. Um, I'll tell you this. As a leader in talent acquisition, I've received a lot of pressure from the uplines to keep positions posted that I know we're never going to hire for. The organizations at one point had these positions when things start to go south, when uh funding dries up whatever they like to keep those positions online like they still exist and the reason why i receive that pressure is they don't want the investors of the organizations going online and have a, like the organizations not green and growing and thriving so i've had a lot of pressure to keep positions open that i know we will never hire for
3: Ooh, sarah comment there
4: that is so interesting, Troy, thanks for sharing that so the insights that we don't see as researchers looking at the the data overall. So um I'd love to take that into account. And I guess you know we can think about that in optimistic or pessimistic ways is there's still a lot of uncertainty in our economy. Whether we're on the brink of a recession or not, um, we've been on, it feels like we've been on that brink for some time, um, but the other indicators are, are looking pretty strong in addition to job postings, you know, things like actual new jobs in the state still, still in positive territory. So um, I, I guess the optimistic part of me is hoping that um, as this uncertainty wanes, um, uh, that we'll be able to maybe fill some of those open positions in the long run.
3: A listener writes, I'm I was recently laid off from retail apparel in San Francisco. I'm not holding high hope I'll be finding anything this year, so I'm picking up freelance gigs when I can to help to get by. Big layoffs for companies such as Gap and Stitch Fix have left the Bay Area market completely flat for the type of work I do. So I'm planning on early retirement, which involves renting out my house to go live abroad for a few months at the end of this year. Well that sounds fun, although maybe not your ideal situation. Um I would love to hear from, oh, we got another call, actually. Let's let's go to Paul in San Francisco. Paul, you're on the air.
8: Yes, I'd like to ask your guests, what the, uh, how many of the jobs, uh, in terms of job growth in California, did, do they think will be union jobs?
3: Hmm. Aki, you want to take that one?
2: I do not have numbers in front of me, but um, I'm sure it would be a pretty small share. Uh, I think one of the really interesting things that has happened during the pandemic, especially in, you know, the hot job market over the last two years, is that we've seen a big push in unionization and a big interest in unions that we haven't seen in a really long time. There's been a decades-long decline in unionization in the United States, and that's been a big factor that um, has pushed up income a quality. And so um, if we you know we continue to see this trend um, of of increasing interest in unions, increasing unionization, um, I think we could see some really interesting structural shifts in the economy in the years ahead.
3: Aki, where are we seeing these these union expansions? I think it's in pretty unique places with unique companies.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I think the 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 most interesting movements are happening um, around uh, Amazon warehouses, right? That have traditionally not been unionized, and also Starbucks, which hasn't been unionized either. Um, Starbucks is an especially interesting case because these, um, of course, like you know, the the manufacturing jobs have um, often been unionized in the country, but low wage service sector jobs traditionally haven't. Um, so. Uh, I think I think the, the success that Starbucks employees have had in unionizing has been really interesting. Um, and they're fighting not just for higher wages, right, but for um, more predictable schedules. Um, and so um, if they continue to have success, then I think we can see real improvements in uh, their working conditions.
3: Sarah, how is the blue car blue collar job market doing? How, how are truckers that kind of world? Uh, what's it like out there?
4: Well, truckers and the transportation and warehousing sector overall, you know, was up like like gangbusters. It's uh, jobs are up there, nineteen percent compared to pre-pandemic, and that's like if you look at jobs overall in the state, they're up two percent. So it's really been growing like crazy, um, and that offers a lot of opportunities for jobs, mostly in the inland California. So it's actually um, been a boost to places like the Central Valley, the Inland Empire. The Sacramento region, to some extent, um, that has um, buoyed them during the recovery and, and actually made them look like overperformers compared to the coastal um, parts of our state. Um, so that's good news for you know a, a recovery from such a severe um, recession that we had. Just to have those job opportunities there. Um, of course, you then need to think uh what, what do those opportunities mean for for Californians? It's great to have a job, but it's um it's great to have a job with upward mobility and, and not all of the, the wages offered in that sector are um you know are are super strong for the long term, especially relative to California's high cost of living. And so I think some of these um union um and, and organizing. Um, uh activities in the sector uh you, you can see where that stems from. Um, but overall it's been a definitely a bright spot in the um in the recovery from the pandemic.
3: Aki, given that it's a bright spot, does that giving truckers more power to to say you know push for better hours, maybe better benefits, higher salaries?
2: You know, trucking is a really interesting example because um, there's been a severe shortage of truckers for many, many years. It's not a recent phenomenon. Um, I've been hearing of some cases where, um, you know, now uh, what used to be like a long haul route um, is getting broken into smaller routes. And so so that truckers can actually go home to their families at the end of the day. They're not doing as long distances Um, And this is something that's not being necessarily pushed by unions or by collective action. It's just the reality of the market. Um, You know, these trucking companies can't attract enough workers. And so they're trying to make the, you know, the, the conditions of the job much better to try to attract a new generation of people to come into this job.
3: Well, Peter writes, I'm a small business owner running a creative services agency, and my business has been impacted significantly by the tech industry's cost cutting. As these businesses cut staff, they are also cutting budgets for marketing. And as you mentioned on the show, advertising and therefore agencies like mine that support their initiatives. I know of several other companies similar to mine that have closed their doors for good, and I have made massive cuts to my workforce while the businesses we support still have tight spending rules in place. Sarah, would you say then that it's a little, I mean, as you're hearing folks write in, is it a little bit, murkier than maybe we, you know, it's, we're still good to go? Is it depend maybe on the sector itself?
4: It it, it certainly does. And it varies a lot sector by sector, you know, region by region, city by city. Um, and the challenges that small business owners face are, are real um, uh, and, and, you know, different sector by sector. I think it, you know, it translates into what we're seeing, you know, even though I, I, I see when we look at the standard labor market statistics that we're still in positive territory Californians and business owners don't necessarily feel that way. In a recent survey that uh, my institute, PPIC, did, um, 60% of Californians actually think we're already in a recession and an even larger percent think that there's, are expecting bad economic times ahead. So I guess they've been reading the headlines, um, you know, about economists worrying about recession. Indeed we are, but while we're still in positive territory, there's real challenges that will affect kind of, You know, long term opportunity for business owners, for workers um, and, and all that contributes to what the state's future economy will look like.
3: It does seem to be a little bit of a case by case basis because I just got another email from a listener who says, I've been in tech for 15 plus years. I was laid off during the pandemic and found a well-paid remote tech job after six months of unemployment. Then 18 months later, I was laid off again and collected five months of unemployment. Jobs available are at 70 percent of the pay rate of pre-pandemic jobs and are mostly contracts. It is not a worker's market. Aki, but weren't salaries really, really high? (laughs) And, And so maybe they've they've Drop down but but in general i th- I believe you wrote or you've written about how they were quite inflated,
2: yeah, um, you know, tech salaries, especially for um technical workers like software engineers, have always been very very high. Eye- but it's really in the last two years in you know, what people are calling the great resignation that they've become truly astronomical. So uh, I was taking a look at some of the recent numbers last night. And for somebody who's an entry-level software engineer at Google, um, it, it's important to remember Google's one of the highest paying employers in the country. But if you land a job at Google straight out of college, you're making $180,000 including bonus and equity. Uh, for somebody with 10 plus years of experience at Google, that salary probably starts at about half a million dollars and keeps climbing from there. Um, so yeah, if you're working for one of the big tech companies and you're a software engineer, you're making just truly stratospheric salaries. Um, and I think the interesting thing is a lot of tech workers now are trying to move beyond The tech sector, if they're getting laid off because there aren't that many opportunities in big tech, but when they're moving beyond big tech and thinking about going to work at, you know, maybe an insurance company or maybe going to nonprofits or the uh, public sector, they're finding that the salaries there are much lower than what they're used to.
3: We're checking in on the job market and California's kind of hiring landscape. What are you doing? Are you have you been laid off recently? Are you looking for a new job? How hard has it been to find that job? Maybe are you a college grad and you're a little nervous to to enter the job market? Or maybe you're thinking about changing an industry because you're not drawn, because the economy, the state of the economy is making you a little bit nervous. We'd love to hear your comments and questions. We're at forum at kqed.org, or you can find us on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. We're at KQED Forum. You can give us a call right now at 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. We're joined by Aki Ito. She's a senior correspondent covering the workplace and the economy for Insider, and Sarah Bone. She's vice president of research and a senior fellow for the Public Policy Institute of California. Maybe you have a question for one of our experts. Again, give us a call 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. We'll be right back after this break. You're listening to Forum. I'm Leslie McClurg. I'm in today for Mina Kim, and we're checking in on the state of California's hiring landscape and taking a pulse on the job market. We're joined by Aki Ito. She's a senior correspondent covering the workplace and the economy for Insider. And Sarah Bone, she's vice president of research and a senior fellow at the Public Policy Institute Institute, excuse me, of California. We'd love to hear from you. Are there current industries that you're drawn to or not drawn to because of the state of the economy? Or maybe you've been laid off recently. We'd love to hear your story about how hard it's been to find a new job. Email your comments and questions to forum at kqed.org or find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We're at KQED Forum. Or you can call us at 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. Let's hear from Nicole in Vallejo. Nicole, you're on the air. Hi, thank you, um, and thank you for this wonderful program. It's so interesting, and it's really, um,
4: it's you know, and it's good to hear that jobs are coming back post-pandemic. I did have a comment slash question. I'm wondering how these jobs that
8: have returned, um, how their salaries and wages are. I know you just touched on it a little bit with the um, Google example. Um, But I'm curious if they're sufficient enough
4: for the high cost of living in California and especially the Bay Area right now. Um, In my opinion, I think often when we talk about jobs and the economy and it's, you know, doing well right now, that there is a gap between the actual lived
3: experiences of Californians right now. Sarah, you want to take that one?
4: Yeah, such a great question, Nicole. And the way you teed it up is really aligned with how I see the data. I mean, when we look at just Overall, wages are up in California compared to the pre-pandemic. Um, in fact, it's a, they're up about fourteen percent. That's like a for about four and a half dollar per hour increase, which sounds huge. But when you account for inflation, it actually feels more like a pay cut. Um, and that's just like looking overall. So we saw you know, wages actually soared in the leisure and hospitality sector and the trade and transportation sector. They're up like 20 to 25 percent compared to before the pandemic. And part of that is I think that the 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 difficulty in hiring in those sectors and just like the strong demand there. But those are lower wage jobs. So that was good news to those of us who look at the distribution of jobs and opportunity across our economy and uh, and realize that those those low paying jobs, uh, for many families, mean they're working, but they're in poverty um, because of the high cost of living in the state. So, you know, these are these were like promising signs. They, I think, they are. You know, it is good to see wages picking up, especially at the lower end of the spectrum. But at the end of the day, I, I think it it really doesn't feel that way given high inflation and and you know the strong the high cost of living that we already had before that.
3: Aki, I mean, I know, I'm, I feel that on a day-to-day basis, I can really kind of align with Nicole's, my felt experience is that it is so expensive right now to, to kind of just make your way in the Bay Area. Are we seeing a flood out of California, given, given inflation and given the high cost of living and maybe even these tech layoffs? Are we still seeing either a trickle or, or a flood of folks leaving to go to other places that are, that are less expensive?
2: Yeah, we certainly saw um, that during the pandemic, but I, I think we've, we we were actually seeing that before the pandemic as well. The pandemic really accelerated that shift, especially out of expensive cities like uh, the San Francisco Bay Area. Um, I think the really interesting thing is Um, With this return to office push, it does seem like some people are starting to come back uh, because they have no choice. And then even though a lot of people said that, you know, San Francisco is done, like, you know, venture capital is now going to be stateless, you know, borderless, Uh, they're going to uh, you know, investors are going to go all over the country to find the best new businesses. Um, the, the current AI boom actually is very much a San Francisco phenomenon, so it does seem like there's more energy coming back to the San Francisco Bay Area in some sense compared to maybe like a year or two ago. So, yeah, I've been um, really interested in that trend, and I think it could kind of go either way in the future.
3: Let's hear from Matt in Oakland. It sounds like you're going to take us back to to the Part of the conversation we were talking about trucking, you have a personal experience,
9: yes, ma'am. Hello, thank you for having me.
3: yeah, let's hear it.
9: yep, um, so I just wanted to touch on the the topic you were talking about the logistics industry. i'm uh, I've been in here in uh, Oakland for over thirty years, uh, working at intermodal, uh, so basically ports and containers. Um, and I heard you talking about from my understanding of what I heard you say, it sounds like you were saying more of The trucking industry is growing, where in actuality, I don't see that happening Um, because, for example, say, for example, the rates to move this freight are – either at pre-pandemic levels or lower than pandemic levels. However, everything else has doubled or even more, such as insurance, uh, fuel, maintenance on trucks, sometimes even waiting for parts to come in on your vehicle or on your truck can take months. But not only that, but in 2023 was the first time ever that California instituted uh, a law where if your vehicle is, has over 800,000 miles or is older than a 2010 model, you cannot operate it uh, in California. So I'm saying that alone limits who is in business because say for example if i have a fleet of 10 trucks and they're all and they all have over eight thousand miles now you're telling me i have to sell my vehicles to comply with law where i have to go get a uh i guess a 2010 or newer truck so in this case i have to probably get a 2020 when these trucks have double prices and that's limiting who can even go get that new truck because if i'm a small company how am i supposed to get $250,000 $250,000 per truck to go get a new truck. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So therefore, it's opening the door to to more corporate companies who can afford these things and keeping the little guy out of the picture or even pushing him out of the picture completely. And then that's just one sector of it because now we're also battling this huge AI concept where now there are uh, – autonomous vehicles that are not only offloading the ships with the containers, but they're taking them to different sort of facilities and all of that. So how are those autonomous vehicles not impacting the job market? Cause those vehicles are clearly taking someone's jobs. They're not going to have the autonomous vehicles offloading the ships and the longshoremen who was there before just standing by. It doesn't work that way. So I just wanted to say, I do not see the, uh,
3: Right, it sounds like yeah, like this, this I I'm, that's a great question, Matt, actually. For for Sarah, I, is the little guy getting squeezed? So trucking's doing great potentially, but but really the the larger corporate companies are really seeing the benefits of that.
4: This is it's really um helpful to hear, Matt, and also troubling. I think it's a little bit foreshadowing what might be to come. I mean, I, I the way I would describe the sector is over the past few years, we've been dealing with supply chain pressures, you know, how to actually get the goods um, through our ports and to the destination. Um, it created some opportunities in some places, but um, that doesn't mean that it was kind of uh, equal across the board. Um, so understanding how kind of small operators are affected is huge. And I, the other thing I heard in your comment is that Um, you know, the pressure um, that comes from the climate goals that we have as a state um, that are ambitious and that will require a lot of shifts um, across a lot of sectors, a lot of businesses and a lot of workers. Um, And so how to do that in a way that, uh, you know, appreciates the kind of feedback that Matt offered um, that kind of enables uh, all size businesses to be able to make those transitions, um, I think is the big challenge uh, on Uh, you know, looking forward for our state um, while we have these, um, you know, well-intentioned and um, ambitious goals for, for climate um, just thinking about the, the downstream impacts of that and and also just how to make it a reality um, is, is a huge
3: challenge. Let's go to Greg in Sausalito. Greg, you're on the air.
8: Hey there. Yeah. My name is Greg and I wanted to share a couple observations to see if it resonates, which is, uh, you know, I've been laid off, uh, a couple of times in the last year or so in financial services. And I've noticed, uh, being over 50 years old, it seems just much more difficult to find work. And it's frustrating because of a low unemployment rate. Um, wondering, hey, is, is, is there room for older employees in this, in this environment in the Bay Area? And secondly, wage growth seems to be subdued. It has been for a while, at least in financial services and for uh, financial executives. And I think that one of the dynamics is that the availability of remote work nowadays after the pandemic has, has resulted in Bay Area wages for a number of professions and industries being held back and being levelized to other lower cost areas in the country.
3: Mm. Aki, do you want to take that one?
2: Yeah, that is really interesting to hear Um you know, maybe like a year or two ago, I wrote a few stories about how uh, pay is becoming nationalized in certain sectors, especially kind of in tech and maybe in finance, where there's um, a much greater availability of remote, uh, remote jobs. Um, the, the companies I profiled who were doing this were bringing everybody else's salary up to the Bay Area standards. Um, but I think, you know, it sounds like we are seeing uh, examples of it going the opposite way, where Bay Area uh, salaries aren't going up as much um, in order to give higher salaries to um, some of these lower cost markets. Um, you know, when a company does something like that, it, it's essentially, uh, you know, hurting itself in uh, hiring people who are in the Bay Area and probably favoring. Uh, hiring in people maybe in like Oklahoma or Idaho, um, so yeah, that is just really interesting to hear.
3: Well, Richard writes: To what extent is the difficulty that small businesses have in finding employees a result of older workers deciding to stop working earlier versus not being able to offer sufficiently high wages? So, kind of related there, Sarah, can you answer that question for Richard?
4: That's such a good question. That what we're seeing in the latest data is that that actually older workers are kind of coming back more than we expected, uh, because there was this kind of early retirement phenomenon during the pandemic. And you could understand why some older workers might, who, who needed to be at work in person, like didn't want to do that for health reasons or other reasons. Um, but we're seeing some kind of reprisal in, like some comeback, um, for older workers in California in the, the rate of them working. And I think that's, you know, it's something that needs to be examined in further detail, I think, but, um, That's kind of we're seeing it as promising because the workforce shortages, um, you know, they can be, you know, different across sectors or regions, as we've been discussing. Nonetheless, is is probably a long term phenomenon that we're going to be dealing with in California because the workforce is aging, it's getting smaller um, relative to the size of the population. And so older workers who do want to work longer, um, you know, what are the opportunities for them? Maybe they want to work in different jobs. How do we actually help that transition? Um, Those are the kind of margins that I think we're going to need to address um, to be able to just meet the state's workforce needs and, you know, to to give Californians the, the opportunities that they they want.
3: This is Forum. I'm Leslie McClurg. I'm in today for Mina Kim. We're taking a pulse on the job market with Aki Ito. She's senior correspondent covering the workplace and the economy for Insider. And Sarah Bone, she's vice president of research and a senior fellow at the Public Policy Institute of California. And we'd love to hear from you. What's been your experience applying for jobs lately? Have you been laid off? Tell us how that's gone, looking for a new job. Email your comments and questions to forum at kqed.org or find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We're at kqedforum or give us a call now at 866-733-6786, 866-733-6786. I'd love to hear from a college grad. What is it like to kind of face out into the economy right now, especially with, you know, AI and, and generated AI? What does it feel like to try to, to penetrate the job market? Give us a call, 866-733-6786. Uh, Aki, I'd love to hear from you. You know, we, we just kind of touched on it there. So baby boomers are retiring. Which industries are going to be hit the hardest by this huge, number of folks who are going to be leaving the job market?
2: I think, you know, the industries that are probably struggling the most right now are in leisure and hospitality, uh, that, you know, has traditionally, um, really relied on huge numbers of young people who are willing to work low wages in order to make their businesses work. And the interesting thing is we've already seen this in the last two years, right? Um, I think the you know one thing we saw in hotels, for example, is uh, because they couldn't hire um, enough people in their housekeeping staff, they ended up canceling daily cleanings, um, and now uh, most hotels only clean your room when you're leaving. Um, that's probably going to be a permanent shift, um, and I think in that way, as we see more severe uh, staffing shortages across different industries. Um, there's going to be a huge amount of pressure for companies to try to save on labor, either in businesses, business practices, uh, like in the case of hotels, or in um, new technology and automation technology. Um, that could be maybe ChatGPT, or it could be in robotics.
3: Let's go to Justin in Concord. Justin, you're on the air.
10: Hey, uh, uh, thanks for taking my call. You know, so my experience um, is really frustrating. Um, I've actually been trying to get into a field of plumbing, commercial plumbing, for like the last nine years. And what my experience is, is that, you know, my qualifications will allow me to land the interview. And then once you get the interview, it's you have to wait a month for them to schedule it. You have to wait a month for them to go back to you. Uh, and all the, all that cost all, all that time you know it's a lot of cost and effort you know to get this position and then you all at the end of that there's no there's no cost to the h r department they just say, well hey you're really well qualified, but we've just gone with somebody else hmm. and uh what 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 the what happens is is that say if I've worked in the industry, we're both working in the plumbing industry, but I've been a manager, and I'm willing to step down to a lower role because I want to live in a certain area, then I'll step down. And, and if, if you're at that high level and you're willing to step down, then you ace out all the other candidates that may want to, to, to go into that position. So you have um, a lot of companies that are not letting the new school in, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, it's just really frustrating.
3: Well, Justin, good luck. I hope you land a really good job really, really soon. Thanks so much for calling in. A listener writes, retirement in the trades is creating opportunities for long-term hiring. The high-rise buildings that my union maintains are the backbone of San Francisco. A downside is that ownership is hesitant to fill positions while the economy is uncertain. I'm a stationary engineer and I will hang up my tools soon, but my replacement is not yet to be hired. Another listener writes, my husband was laid off from Facebook after six years. We weren't Shocked, as he's been in the industry a long time, and this for sure isn't our first rodeo, but in the past, he shows up in a nice shirt and gets another job offer very quickly. This time, it's been six months and still no job offers, just some contract work here and there. We're honestly out of severance, and it's getting a little bit scary. Quickly, before the end of the show, Sarah here, I'd love to hear, you know, we've heard a lot of individual cases that it's still hard out there, but the overall picture is that things are good.
4: That's what the overall labor statistics that we, you know, typically date recessions by are, are telling us. It's still looking like we're in positive territory. But these might be the kind of, you know, stories and kind of leading indicators that, um, you know, Californians are justifiably worried about and, and feeling the pinch from still feeling the pinch from inflation that we've been dealing with.
3: Well, thank you both so much. Uh, We've been joined by Aki Ito. She's senior correspondent covering the workplace and the economy for Insider. And Sarah Bone is the vice president of research and a senior fellow at the Public Policy Institute of California. Thank you for sprinkling us with some good news. And thank you, callers, for sobering us with your, your individual experiences. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you, Aki and Sarah.
2: Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you.
3: This Hour of Forum has been produced by Carolyn Smith, Juan Carlos Lara, and Grace Wan. Marlena Jackson-Rotondo is our engagement producer. Francesca Fenzi is our digital community producer, and Susie Britton is our lead producer. Our engineers are Danny Bringer and Brendan Willard. Our interns are Lulu Rada and Jericho Reininger. Our vice president of news is Ethan toven Lindsay, and our chief content officer is Holly Kernan. We couldn't do it. It takes a village. I'm Leslie McClurg. Uh, I've been covering for... Mina Kim this week and next week you will be joined by Marisa Lagos. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great weekend.